Hello, all you reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am the founder of this podcast. And I'm also the founder of Cubby Club, where you can come on over and learn more about reinvention every day. We have written content, we have masterminds, we have support groups, we have pods, we, you name it, we have we have everything you need to reinvent. And I'm going to introduce you today to somebody who is a very interesting reinventor and proof that you don't have to ditch your job and your healthcare and all that stuff and all your stability in order to do something more creative. A lot of you mentioned that you have your jobs, you have your health care, that's really important to you. Your family needs to be stabilized by that, and you can't just walk away. What do you do to scratch that creative itch? Heather Frimmer is a perfect example. She is a very successful radiologist and doctor, and she is also a successful novelist at the same time. So I want you to listen to how does she live this hybrid life? We call it a hybrid life these days. How does she find time to manage the two? And how did she know to take this hobby, could have been a hobby, writing, you know, writing little things. How did she know to take this to the next level? And what did that require? So I hope this helps you figure out how to become a hybrid professional. Here is Heather Frimmer. Welcome, Heather. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I think you are the perfect example for women who are trying to figure out when they have different interests, how they meld those two together, how they can be um, what some um, experts are calling a hybrid professional, where you're really talented in two different areas. So I really want to get to that concept. Let's talk first about what you what you studied to be and what you are today, and then we'll talk about how you became a writer. So maybe just give us a brief, fast intro to how you became a doctor and a radiologist. Sure. Um, so I am a radiologist specializing in breast and emergency room imaging. Um, and when I went to medical school, I had no idea what type of physician I wanted to be, but radiology really called to me because it's a way to be involved in all aspects of medicine instead of picking one or the other. And so I take care of people across the lifespan. I take care of men and women and all body part, all body systems. Um, and it's really um, challenging and interesting and constantly presenting new, new puzzles every single day. And so that's what I really, what really drew me to radiology. And um, so I've been practicing since um, 2005 is when I finished my training. And um, I didn't start writing until 2014. And what the heck made you start writing? And they are novels and they're not necessarily, are they based on your life as a doctor at all? Um, well, both of my novels are medical fiction. So they're based in the medical world and involve medical situations, but none of them are um, come from real life per se. It really is just inspired by my profession. 
So how did you decide to do that? Were you a writer as a child and you just put that aside or how did you, and what made you decide to finally take it professional at the same time? And where do you find the time? Even more important. <laughs> that, that last question is the one I get the most. <laughs> okay. Let's, okay. Let's start, let's start with how did you, how did you run those two tracks or was it yeah. something you discovered later? And then let's yeah. talk about the freaking time. Uh, so I've always been interested in books and reading and writing. I've been a lifelong reader, you know, as most writers probably are. Um, so I was one of those kids who carried the book to the restaurant and to the amusement park and, you know, all of those things. And then when I was, when I was in college, I, um, I did major in English. So I continued to read and study writing and, uh, I didn't do creative writing per se, but more kept, kept, um, reading and, and dissecting novels. And then um, I started creative writing after college a little bit, very casually writing short stories. And then once I was in medical school and medical training, it sort of went by the wayside because there really wasn't the time at that point. Um, and um, then I, I finished training, I became a radiologist and practiced for 10 years. And then I just felt that the right side of my brain was was not getting uh, much exercise. And I really felt like my, my, my job was wonderful and challenging and interesting, but, but the part of my brain needed to be used that wasn't being used in my job. And that's when I decided to take a writing class at a local writer's workshop in, in Westport, Connecticut. Talk about um, that. Yeah, because I, yeah. Try to, I try to encourage people to look locally, even at high school things, yeah. that those can be incredible triggers for reinvention. Talk about that. Yeah, and now, now in the age of, of Zoom and online classes, even if there's not something offered locally, there will be resources available for anyone really. Um, but I did go locally and I went to my um, local writer's workshop and I looked at what they were offering and I just chose an introductory class. And it was a class where, I, where we would sit and we would write in class. So the teacher gave us a prompt and we would write for 20 minutes and then share a little bit of what we wrote. And it was, it was great and I just felt so inspired and, and I felt like the creative juices were flowing and, I, and it was something I'd been missing. Um, and at the end of the class, I'd really connected with the instructor and at the end of the class, she asked us all to talk about what our goals were going forward in our writing. And I said something vague and nonspecific and she said, well, I really think that you, you have a novel. I really think you, you could write a novel. And I laughed at her and I told her she was insane and then I went home and I thought about it a little bit. And I, then I told myself, why couldn't I write a novel? So many people have written novels. I've loved reading and writing my entire life. And so I just decided to try it and, and then just uh, continued writing. And, and I signed up for a, a more um, serious kind of in-depth class, uh, manuscript class at the same workshop where we had to bring in four pages every, every week and read them and get feedback. So it sort of forced me to keep going and keep writing because I had to bring in those pages every week. And that, did you, I mean, did, did you learn about story arc? Did you learn about, I mean, did you have to take other courses about that or you were just kind of a natural because you'd read so much? Um, I think the part, yes, part of it was sort of already in me because I read over a hundred books a year. So I think part of it was like ingrained in me already. And part of it, I, I did do some reading. I didn't take any real like prescriptive classes. I've only really taken the workshop classes where we read and give feedback. Um, but I've, you know, I've, I've watched some webinars. I've, I've um, read, you know, read some of the craft books. Um, 
but really most of it for me has been more intuitive. I'm not really, um, I'm not one to believe that there's only one way to write a book and there's only that the story has to be a certain way and that you have to plan it in advance. I'm sort of more of a seat of your pants kind of writer. Um, so that's whether good or bad, that's the way I write. Um, so that's kind of how it happens. How did you end up getting published? That's one of the other issues is mm -hmm. plenty of people, they can't find an agent. Yeah. We do talk about um, self-publishing, things like that. What route did you mm -hmm. take? Um, so that was a, a, the steepest part of the learning curve for me, even harder than learning how to write was learning how to navigate the business world of, of, of writing and, and publishing. Um, and so I, I, I'm still searching for an agent, if anyone's out there. Um, I have tried uh, to get an agent, but so far no success. So my first book was uh, published through a hybrid press um, called She Writes or Spark Press. And um, that publisher, um, basically the, the writer and the publisher partner together. And so the writer has to invest money up front, but then when the book starts selling, the writer gets more of the proceeds than they would with a traditional publishing um, agreement. And then my second book, I, I sold to a, a small independent press called Wyatt McKenzie. Um, so I've had two different publishers so far and we'll see where the next one goes. <laughs> oh, that's great. And so one you did yourself and then one you found a publisher is that just explain it a little bit better for people who oh, don't well, know who first, are trying to follow right yeah so the first one is it's, it's a hybrid publisher the first my first book was from a hybrid publisher that was bedside manners and i didn't do it myself per se that this publisher actually does curate so they do you know accept you or, or, or reject you based on the work. And then they actually really help you, really do everything. They do the cover design, you know, the layout, the whole thing. They, they, they help you bring the book from the manuscript stage to the bookstore, you know, to the shelf um, and everything that goes along with that. And then the second, uh, my second book, Better to Trust with Wyatt McKenzie, the same thing, except I didn't have to invest any money upfront. Um, that's all, you know, that's all on the publisher. Cool. Okay. So you're moving up the food chain. Yeah. I'm doing my best. <laughs> right. Awesome. It's not easy. I'll say it's not easy. It's definitely a commitment and a lot of emails, you know, a lot of, a lot of time researching and, and figuring out, you know, how to get it done. Now, what about finding time to write? Do you have a family and how do you balance all of that? It's definitely challenging. I'm not going to pretend it's easy. Um, I have two children, a husband, uh, a golden doodle, <laughs> and you know, a full-time job. So all of those things, you know, pull at my time. Um, one of my secrets is that I really don't watch a lot of TV. Um, I'd rather read or write than watch TV. So that gives me a lot more time than other people, you know, are sitting in front of the screen. Um, and then other than that, uh, my children now are teenagers, so they sleep in until about noon on the weekend. So that's time for me. I get up early and that's time for me to just write. And then, um, another, another thing that's really helped me keep my, keep my, uh, tush in the chair is something called, uh, one of the organizations that I'm a, a member of called the West, called the Women's Fiction Writers Association, uh, has write-ins and this is across the country. It's online, it's on Zoom. And at certain times every day, 
a bunch of writers meet and check in and say what they're working on briefly and then sit in the chair and write. And just knowing that there are other women sitting in the chair at the same time that I am doing this really hard thing makes it easier to stay there instead of going to, you know, do something else. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to do the laundry or walk the dog or whatever, because I know that everyone else is writing at the same time. And that goes on once a week. And every it's, day. Oh, every, every day. day. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, I don't do it every day, but it's offered every day, multiple times a day. Wow. And so that's really been, uh, really been very helpful because it's a, this community of right. people who are, you know, all kind of sitting and, and, and struggling at the same time. That's <laughs> what we do. It be really hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. We do that at Covey Club where people create um, groups where there are accountability groups exactly yeah. like that so that it's like really study helpful. hall yeah it, it definitely helps even if you just have somebody you're looking at uh, we do it all on zoom yeah and just having somebody there right it makes you feel right? like okay I have to do this I'm committed to this right yeah. and it makes you stop procrastinating right oh, yes <laughs> that's so interesting um talk a little bit about um what do you see going forward for yourself in terms of uh, what you're working on? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm staying in the genre of medical fiction. I think that it's actually uh, it's it's actually relatively rare to find medical dramas on the page. They're very common on screen, and people really love you know Grey's Anatomy and House and all of those shows. But to find them in book form is a little more unusual, and people are really loving it. So um, I'm sticking with that. And my next book is centered on an OBGYN who has a difficult delivery that doesn't go well. And the mom of the baby is suing her. And it goes, this, the point of view goes back and forth between the doctor and her, and her patient. Um, so you follow the, the malpractice trial through both of their eyes. Wow, interesting. Do you know who reads your books? Are you able to connect with them? Do you talk to them? Is it doctors? Is it? Uh, no, not necessarily. There's... No, I mean, I've, I've definitely connected with a lot of readers and and um, really it's it tends to be the people who like those medical shows, but they're not necessarily, oh. they're not necessarily medical people, but they're like, oh, I love, you know, Grey's Anatomy. This, this really like scratches that itch, that kind of thing. Hmm. Um, there's, you know, a bunch of bookstagrammers who've really, you know, really enjoyed my books and can't wait for the next one. So it's, it's pretty exciting. So do you think that you have a third, you know, sort of path in you, or do you think these are the two? Cause they're, it's very interesting that you have these two things, right? Do you think there could be more or do you feel like that's it? I don't know. I mean, I'm open to ideas. <laughs> At this point, my time is pretty full. Yeah. <laughs> But I would once think so. Kids go to college, maybe I'll have time for a third path. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do the two paths interplay? Because I found when my career in magazines and publishing was obviously going down the tubes, it was, I mean, it was so obvious that we were all going to go out of business. When I went back to school to get my degree in sustainability up at Columbia, I did that. No, thinking they would run on separate tracks, but I found that they actually interacted in very helpful ways, which I didn't know. I found that by doing something completely new and unrelated to my other career, Mm -hmm. it took the pressure off the other career to be everything. And 
weirdly made me more creative in a place that I felt completely constrained and deadened. Mm. It was a weird interaction that was totally unexpected. Do you find any interactions you were not expecting? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's made me, writing has made me more observant. Oh, interesting. um, So that, you know, in my medical work, in my medical day job, I notice things I might not have noticed before. Um, I, I, I think I'm more empathetic with the patients um, because I'm, I'm kind of, because I'm noticing more subtleties uh-huh. in conversations or body language um, because, because in order to write a good scene, you have to describe all of these different things. And, and so now I'm, I'm in tune to them a little bit more. Um, and I, I think I notice interesting stories or possible scenarios at work. Uh-huh. Um, or, or, you know, even if it's not my, in my particular, um, you know, just noticing other people's stories or other people's um, situations that would make a good, good novel or good story come sort of um, come to attention more easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk, um, a, talk a little bit about that doctor-patient interaction. Because I think also with radiologists, I I don't know that um, many people realize my understanding, at least um, I came to understand, is that, you know, you're lying there waiting for some some answer on something. And the radiologist is not the person who's supposed to tell you that at that point. And you're like, am I okay? Am I okay? And they're like, oh, the doctor's going to read this. And you're like, why aren't you telling me that? Right. Yes. And is that correct? And I don't think people understand that. What is what is the what is the protocol? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, the way the way it works, at least in the United States, is that you have your scan or test or whatever, and then the radiologist interprets it and provides a report to your doctor who ordered the test, whether it's your primary care doctor or who, you know, OBGYN. And then the doctor who ordered the test then circles back to the patient. Um, it is changing a little bit. It's, it, it's different in the world of breast imaging. In the world of breast imaging, the breast radiologist, which is what I do most of the time, does speak with the patients. Um, so when my patients need a biopsy, I, I speak with them directly. Um, I do I perform the biopsies, so I see patients often um, to perform those biopsies. Other areas of radiology, it's still not like that, but it is slowly changing. The radiologists are trying to have more FaceTime with the patients. Um, and so we'll see where it goes. Was that, is that a legal thing? Is that a cultural thing? What no, is it coming not, from? No, it's not legal. It's just the way, the way the system developed here. That's the way it works. Um, it's, but you know, the radiologist certainly can speak with the patients and provide information. Um, but that it tends to be that a lot of the time patients want the information from the doctor who they know. And trust. Oh, I see. Um, and so I think that's the reason it developed that way. Um, but then radiologists have certain sort sort of become almost like faceless, nameless, you know, people in a dark room. And right. so the radiology the radiology community is 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 slowly trying to change that um, and become more involved, you know, with speaking with patients and and having conversations. Interesting. So it's just the way it did in around the world. Is it different? 
I, I think it really is different. Yes, it can be different country to country and how it's handled. Yeah. Huh. And what do you see as the, the main interactions that you have with women during radiology? Is it different from men? Are women different? Um, I mostly see women because I, because I do breast imaging. Right. Um, and I, I, I speak with them during, a, you know, very, can be a very difficult and emotional time because I'm right. telling, telling them that they need a biopsy, that there might be a cancer there right. and that we need to, you know, we need to figure that out. And right. sometimes I need to tell them that, the, that the results are cancer and that's, you know, even more charged right. situation. Sure. So, um, so it can definitely be emotional and, and um, I try to make it as, I try to be as honest as possible and answer questions and provide reassurance um, and guidance as to what the next steps are, which is really very helpful just to see be like, okay, this is what comes next and this is what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. um, I think people really appreciate that. Mm. And that's interesting. And so do they, but they, so they might end up working with you and then be turned over to their doctor for the follow-up their yeah. yes. general. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It, how is it changing for, for breast cancer these days? Because things are getting so much better than they were, correct? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely new developments, especially in terms of chemotherapies that are more directed to the specific tumor and not gen just general chemotherapies. Mm -hmm. um, that's been one of the major developments. In terms of breast imaging, we have lots of developments. We have uh, 3D breast imaging now, which is much better than the old 2D mammography. Mm -hmm. um, and, and breast MRI is getting much better and more, you know, much more, um, much more focused and detailed in terms of the images that we can obtain. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's that, you know, there's there's definitely developments all around. And then and then COVID has really changed the world of radiology because. Um, so much more of radiology is now done remotely, which is which is a good thing for the patients in a lot of ways because it means that patients can get more subspecialized readings on their scans. Like if someone who's an expert in that particular area can look at their scan, even if they don't live in whatever state that patient is in. Um, so that's been in some ways very good. So the, so the, you, you'll still have to, you can't do it at home. They, you still have to go in and have it done, but the reading might be done remotely. Is that right. what you're saying? Oh, yes, interesting. Yes. Yes, I actually read from my guest room 80% of the time. Was it home. always true or just since COVID? Not, not always true, right? No, no, it, since COVID, yes. Um, it was sort of moving in that, radiology was moving in that direction and COVID really pushed it much more quickly <laughs> so that radiology has become um, a, not completely, but significantly more remote reading than before, which which as I said, makes means that the patients can get better care even if they're not, not close to that radiologist. It's very interesting because I was just reading an economic, a World Economic Forum talk about all the changes that are happening in the workplace because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things are bad for women in, in terms of they have to, they're stuck taking care of the children and the men are not doing that, all that stuff. But the other good thing is being able to work from home. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think radiology is going to move in that direction? Will there be people in the hospital who, who are trading out with people who are at home or what do you see coming for women? What do you mean by trading out? 
people who are working from, you know, remotely completely, there's so many tech people now who just work, they can live mm -hmm. anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then so many people, I mean, I think about my career as a um, magazine editor, I would sit at my desk and have to commute all the way in every single day, no matter what, even if there was right. nothing going on, it was just a complete waste of everything. I could have gotten yeah. so much more done and been a mom, a better mom, because I would have yeah. been home. What yeah. do you see in terms of that coming forward? Well, I think most fields of medicine, you have to actually be in the room with the patient, right? But radiology is, is an exception. Um, uh -huh. so, so in radiology, there are certain things that we need to be there for, like, you know, biopsies. Um, but um, most of radiology can be done remotely. And so that gives us much more flexibility, much more um, efficiency. Like if I don't need to drive an hour to work, I can get that much more done at home. Right, exactly. Right. right. So yeah, I think fantastic. for the most part, radiology is moving in that direction, but most, you know, most other, other fields of medicine don't have that luxury. Right. So this is just <laughs> one of them. Very interesting. Yes. So as we come to a close here, Heather, talk about two or three tips you might give somebody who is a lawyer or a different type of doctor or has a profession, a very strong profession already, but feels that that creative side of their brain is not getting scratched enough. Mm -hmm. What yeah. would you suggest that they do? What are the steps to figuring out um, how to scratch that itch while you still yeah. have these big, important jobs? Right. Well, I think the first and most important thing for me was just finding a community of people who are interested in the same thing. Um, so whether it's you know writing or visual arts or whatever creative endeavor just to find some place to take a class, to be with people who are also interested in that same thing um, can really inspire and, and, and just help scratch that, scratch that itch. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what I did. And, and, and as I said before, there, there are so many uh, opportunities now, especially with writing um, where you don't have to be in the same room. Right to find that community online, um, mm -hmm. whether it's a writer's organization or, or a, a organization that provides classes. Um, there are so many of them. And so it really doesn't matter where you live, you can find that community online. Mm -hmm. And then um, from there, just depends what you wanna do with it. You know, Whether it's really just a hobby or, or more um, will depend how far, how far you go from there. What what made you decide that it was more than just a hobby? Because I think that's also one of the questions a lot of people have. They have a hobby and they don't know whether they want to take it to the next step. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's it's really a personal decision of how much time you want to invest mm -hmm. um, because it really is. Publishing a book is a major, major endeavor. Oh um, my God, it's, it's huge. Yes. Yeah, it takes a lot of hours of work and yes. not just the writing part, the writing. Yes. But then after that, yes. you know, the publishing and the marketing and yes. the, you know, doing book clubs and all of those things, it's, it's so many hours and I really enjoy it. And I really enjoy all of those things. Well, the marketing, not so much, but everything else, <laughs> <laughs> everything else I really enjoy. I enjoy talking with people like you and just people who are excited about writing and, um, and so it really just depends. Like, is it something that you just want to spend a couple hours a week or is it really, you know, do you really want to put in like, num you know, thousands of hours um, in order to make, to make the publishing happen? 
And what does it add to your life that your other job did not add? What's the hole that it's filling? What does it make you feel? I think it really helps me kind of connect more with my emotional life, um, something that I really don't do for the most part in my day job um, and really explore um, different situations and scenarios and characters that, that really wouldn't come up for me uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and, then, and then on top of that, outside of the writing, the community of writers has really provided so much more like balance and um, inspiration and fulfillment for me. Um, other writers that I've met and also people who support writers like uh, my, my publicist, my um, all the bookstagrammers that I've met, um, all of these people have become real friends to me and friends that I never would have met otherwise. Um, so for me, that's been one of the major positives of this whole experience. Awesome. So it's community. It puts yeah. you into a new type of community that gives you different yeah, and people, rewards. People who are so different from, from people I would have met in the medical mm -hmm. world. You know? Right. Yeah. No, I love it. It's great. I love the hybrid. I think it's a wonderful way for people to reinvent. And again, not every reinvention has to be quitting your job and starting all over, which some people think it has to be. Right, right you can have this hybrid life and be very satisfied with two or three different tracks. So you're yeah, the perfect example. Go ahead. I think the, I was going to say the idea of having to quit your job and solder all over limits, limits the things that you could possibly do because you do need to, you know, pay your rent and, and, you know, have health insurance, you know? So, right. so I think that closes a lot of doors that could be opened if you thought about it differently. Yes, exactly. And on that note, we will end. Thank you so much, Heather. I so appreciated talking to you. That was terrific. Thank you. I really had a good time. Thank you all for coming and seeing us on Reinvent Yourself, the podcast. Please, 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 if you enjoyed this conversation, rate us five stars and leave us a comment or two wherever you are and wherever you get your podcast please subscribe to the podcast that would be fantastic too and pass us along to your other friends who are trying to reinvent we are reinvention central we know how to get it done and as you see it may not be that you have to walk away from your big job you may be able to keep your big job and still reinvent lots of people do and what we want to do is bring those ideas to you here so you can find your way to bliss. And as we say at Covey Club, come on over and learn more about reinvention because we will hold a space for you while you figure out what is next. So come join us and we'll see you next time. Take care. Hi everybody, this is Leslie Jane Seymour and I am the founder of this podcast and of Covey Club. And I just want to encourage you, if you like this podcast, please, please, please subscribe to our podcast. 
that will help us move up in the podcast world so other people can get the benefits of what we do as well. And it really helps also if you have the ability to leave us a five-star review if you like us. I hope so. And also, if you can leave us a comment, that would be fantastic too. And here we go on with the show.